Well, good morning, everyone. <clears throat> it certainly is a, uh, a treat for Amy and I to be here this morning. Uh, to make a trip down to Florida is always a, a, uh, a treat for us to come and enjoy the, the Florida weather, the rain and <laughs> thunderstorms. And <laughs> but no, we really have enjoyed the, uh, <clears throat> the time here. And we, we are actually getting to enjoy some sun. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, I do want to send greetings from Pastor Gazaway uh, and Sister Marion from uh, Faith Tabernacle in Concord, New Hampshire. That's where Amy and I uh, attend church, and we minister there. Uh, also, we were just having a little uh, communication with Daniel and Jess Penn, who is Matthew's mom and dad. Uh, they're currently in Prague. And, right in Prague, <clears throat> and so they also send their greetings this morning to all of you and their love, and uh, they're having a, a wonderful tenth anniversary traveling over to Paris and to to Prague and and uh, having a, a great time. So we will all be returning back to our home state of New Hampshire on Tuesday, and uh, we'll join up to there sometime later in the day. I think we get in a little bit before them, but um, we're having a Enjoying our vacation and uh, enjoying our our fellowship with uh, brothers and sisters of like faith. Yeah, it's always um, wonderful to go on vacation, but find a, a Zion church that you can attend and uh, you know enjoy the the wonderful worship as we have this morning. And I I do appreciate the presence of the Lord. That's the most important thing when we come into the Lord's house that we can know that the Lord's presence is here. Because if the Lord's presence isn't here, then we're in real trouble. We're in real trouble. <clears throat> so I am very appreciative this morning that the Lord's presence is here with us. Uh, Daniel and Sarah, as the, of course you know them as Pastor Daniel and Sarah, but uh, we've uh, ministered with them over the years at, at youth camps and have grown to love them and appreciate them and become good friends with them. And also our brother Jason, uh, spent many years with him at youth camps and known them throughout the years. So it's a uh, it's like coming home to our family, uh, even though we're not from here, we feel like this is, uh, you know, coming to our home this morning. But I just want to uh, share a little bit uh, what the Lord's put on my heart <clears throat> this morning, and I've been meditating on some words of uh, Pastor Bailey, who spoke these words many, many years ago. He shared on the parable of the sower in the Bible, and it's in Luke chapter 8 is where the parable of the sower is found, and we're not going to look at all of that this morning, but just some thoughts that I've been meditating upon, and specifically in Luke chapter 8, verse 15. It says in Luke eight fifteen, But on the good ground are they which, having an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. And, you know, I've been meditating on that uh, thought that Pastor Bailey was sharing because there's some importance there about having an honest and good heart an honest and good heart, because that is where the Lord plants his seed, and that is where the fruit comes forth, on the good and honest heart. And, you know, to contrast that, in verse 12, the seed that was, that was, was kind of scattered around by the, you know, the, the sower, some landed on the, the wayside. And in verse 12 it says, those who hear... But the devil comes and takes away the word 
out of their heart. You know, that's a very dangerous situation, isn't it? That we can hear the word of the Lord, but the devil comes and he takes that word away. You know, I want to have a good and honest heart so that when we hear the word of the Lord, it takes root, it grows up, it flourishes, and it brings forth fruit, a hundredfold fruit. And that's the desire of, you know, of Zion. You know, that's the vision of Zion, you know, to bring forth fruit, but not just, you know, 30 or 60-fold, but to bring forth a hundredfold. You know, that is the desire of the Lord and his people, that they bring forth uh, much fruit. And so I just wanted to share that before I go into my word this morning that the Lord has given, but uh, I felt that that was something to share this morning, that the Lord wants us to be those who have a good and, and honest heart. So that his word is not just something that we hear. It's a danger to, you know, to hear the word of the Lord, but it never takes any root. You know, that's the word that falls by the wayside. The devil comes and he takes it away, and there is no, no fruit. We want to be very fruitful. So this morning I want to share on the thought of deliver us from the evil one. And you've heard it prophetically this morning, so I'm always thankful that you've already heard the message. And so it's uh, very easy now to you know, share what the Lord is speaking. But you know, deliver us from the evil one. In uh, Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, there's a verse there that you don't have to turn to it this morning, but just for your notes, that Jesus, he rose up early in the morning and he prayed. And I, I thought that an interesting verse because, you know, in the Gospel of Mark, it's very fast moving, it's very straightforward, and all the things that he's covering of what Jesus you know, has done, one of the verses says that Jesus got up early, he went to a, a, you know, a secluded place, and he prayed. And you know, the word of God isn't without purpose, everything is there for a reason, and so for you know, the Gospel of Mark to bring out that Jesus went out early in the morning and prayed is very important. He prayed. And what's important is that you know, later on, the disciples, they observed there was something different about Jesus, that you know, he was always praying, you know, he was always uh, giving time to go pray. But they noticed you know, he, there was something different in his life, that he had an authority. You know, he was able you know, to, to move in such a way that he, he was un, in control, and he understood he had this relationship with his Heavenly Father. And so at, later on, as, they, as we know in Matthew chapter 6, that the disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray. <laughs> teach us to pray. They saw that Jesus was one who prayed, and they saw there was something that was to his prayer life. And so they said in Matthew you know, chapter 6, and I believe it's verse, th- uh, uh, ver- chapter 6 is the Lord's Prayer. But in verse 13, there's one verse I would like to bring out this morning. The disciples said, teach us to pray. But in verse 13 of the Lord's Prayer that we know so well, it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And, you know, in the... the uh, original translation that deliver us from evil means deliver, deliver us from the evil one, the evil one. So, you know, we want to be delivered from the evil one. Well, who is the evil one? Satan, as we know, is the evil one. And John 10.10, 10, as we heard this morning prophetically, it says, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
But Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so it is Satan who is the thief. He is the evil one. And if we ever needed deliverance, it is a world that needs deliverance today, isn't it? There's so many things that people are trapped in that they need deliverance from. And you may have heard many things about New Hampshire. Uh, New Hampshire is known for its white mountains, and it's known for its beautiful lakes, and it's known for, you know, only being an hour from the ocean, only being an hour from the mountains, only being an hour from Boston. So you have all these things kind of uh, you can go to, and uh, the people like to come every Friday to New Hampshire to spend the weekend to ski or to go to the lakes. And when we're kind of like you in Florida, we're trying to figure out how do we get home <laughs> and because of all the traffic that comes to visit us on the weekends. But there's maybe something you don't know about New Hampshire, and that is New Hampshire has a, an opio- opioid crisis. And uh, the Vice President Pence was supposed to come and do a speech just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it got canceled for whatever reason. But it was to speak to uh, the state and the, the state leaders about the the uh, crisis, the drug crisis that we have in New Hampshire. And you wouldn't think little New Hampshire would have this problem. You would think, well, this is a big city problem. But no, New Hampshire is one of the states that has the largest problems with drug abuse. And so it's happening every day. People are being, you know, uh, overdosing and, and uh, you know, many times they're able to, to bring them back, you know, from the over overdosed by using uh, you know, the, the Narcan drugs and things, but, but it's a terrible thing. People just have a, such hopelessness that they are turning you know, to this lifestyle that you know, ultimately is going to destroy them. But that is the way of the thief. He seeks to destroy. He seeks to kill. And so even though the state has, is spending much money, the government is giving much money, millions and millions of dollars, we understand that no, much, how, no matter how much money is spent, it will not solve the spiritual problem that people are facing. People have a spiritual problem. And so many are hopeless, but it's because spiritually they need the Lord. They need the Lord to change what is going on inside of them. They need Jesus. They need deliverance to deliver them from their addictions. Drug, drug addiction obviously is only one thing, one example that we could consider this morning because there are so many things that people are addicted to, immoral lifestyles. People are addicted to, you know, the, the gambling lifestyle. People are addicted to alcohol. All of those things, you know, we can name many of them. We don't need to this morning. We understand there is an addictive lifestyle that people are living, and they cannot break free of it. They are trapped in it. They are there, you know, with a, a life that... Unless the Lord comes on the scene, they have hopelessness and depression. And it leads to one place. It leads to destruction. And so we are praying, you know, as you are praying for the people in your community, as we see, you know, people are, are engaged in these lifestyles, but they, they don't know how to get set free from it. And so we're praying that the Lord will come in a revival, that he'll pour out his spirit, and in, in an instant, people will be delivered. People will be delivered. It's the only hope that they have, isn't it? It's the Lord Jesus. To call upon the name of the Lord to be delivered. And so we're seeing these situations. And, you know, we're crying out to the Lord from our heart for these people because 
and of ourselves, we have nothing to give them, but it's Christ in us. It's Christ in each one of us. We have Christ in us, and it's the hope for the people who do not know him. I'd like to look at Mark chapter 5 and verses 1 through 6. Very familiar portion of scripture that we, uh, we have read many times. In Mark chapter 5 and verses 1 through 6, it says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him. No, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with the stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And so Mark chapter 5 This portion of scripture, verses 1 through 6, it follows a portion of scripture where Jesus was on the ship sound asleep and there was a mighty storm and the disciples thought they were going to die and Jesus came up from his rest and he said, peace be still, and the storm stopped. And Jesus kind of scolded the disciples and he said, why do you have such little faith? And so here we see, you know, they're coming off this boat after this wind and rainstorm and tossing about. And what do they see? They see this crazy, wild person coming at them, running at them, screaming. But I don't see any mention that the disciples were fearful. And I considered that because I said, well, you know, we have nothing to fear as Christians, do we? We, There are many spirits, there are many demonic activities that are going on around us, but if we are with Christ and Christ is in us, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. And, you know, I'm very thankful for that. That, you know, the Lord is, if he's with us, sometimes he leads us to dark places and he leads us through dark places, but not to leave us there, but sometimes to bring deliverance to those who need to see the light and who need to know the light. And so here they are in that particular situation. Jesus meets this man who has, he has uh, demons in him, and he's running towards them, but they are, they are not fearful. They are not feel fearful. And I was wondering, well, what would I do, actually, if I was in that scene? You know, we went on a little boat cruise uh, out of Tampa the other day to go see the dolphins, and, and you know, as we were, I was thinking, you know, as we were coming off the, the boat for our, our little harbor tour, I wondered if I, someone was come running and screaming at us onto the boat, where, what would I do? What would be my first reaction? I think I'd, I'd want to protect my family. I'd want to protect myself. I think that is what we would, you know, the natural human reaction would be. But, you know, that was not the case. Jesus was under complete control. He was not fearful. He did not, you know, consider running away. But... In fact, he brought deliverance to this man. He spoke the words of deliverance. And he told, you know, the demons to come out, and they did. But, you know, here is a man, the scripture says, no one could bind him. They, they tried. They tried to bind him with chains. But because of the demonic power in him, he just broke the chains. But here they come, this powerful demonic situation inside of this man 
They don't come to contest the Lord. They come and they worship him. They bow down to the true authority, the one who has authority in heaven and on earth. And there was no fear. There was no fear. And I want that, you know, to be in my heart because the Lord is in us. And, you know, as we are going to see and be faced with people who are just like this man, you know, the, the natural reaction, I think, is to get away from someone like that. But if the Lord wants to bring deliverance, then we want to be available vessels for him to use us to speak the words of deliverance. And that might be a difficult thing if somebody's screaming in your face and running, you know, full speed at you like they're going to tackle you. You might want to consider leaving the scene. But the Lord was there, and he brought deliverance to this man. And so, you know, as we consider this, Jesus does bring deliverance in Mark chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I do with, with thee? <laughs> I think Siri's helping me out up here on the iPad. <laughs> I probably said something that sounded like, Yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> I, uh, I have, uh, I've been corrected before, so... <laughs> If I have it wrong, we want to get it right. <laughs> no, no worries. Mark chapter 5, and verses 7 to 12, it says, And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of David, most high? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And there was there nigh unto the mountain a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000, and they were choked in the sea. But Jesus brings deliverance to this man that no one in their, in their own strength, we might say, in human strength, no one could help him. The only thing that they could attempt to do was to restrain him, and they couldn't do that. So what did they do? They left him to himself in the mountains and in the tombs. But Jesus, in just a few words, he spoke to those demons, and they came out, and they were gone out of this person, and he was delivered. And these swine ran down into the, the river, and they were drowned. But that's not the end of the story, is it? That's not the end of the story. Here is a a wonderful situation of a man who for much of his life, there was no hope for him. But when Jesus came, when the Spirit of God was there, there was deliverance. But deliverance, it came to some, but it did not come to all. And it's interesting in this scripture that there were those who saw the whole situation much differently than what we're considering it this morning. In Mark chapter 5, verses 14 through 17, and it says, And they that fed the swine fled, and they told it to the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus, and to see him that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told him how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. 
And they began to pray to Jesus to depart from their coasts. Here is a, a man who, who was brought a wonderful deliverance in his life. He's sitting there clothed. He's in his right mind. But those who kept the swine, they were afraid of this situation. And they went and they told the townspeople, and they came out and they said, Jesus, please leave. Please leave. We are not interested in having you be here because whatever it is that you just happened, we are really not on board with it. In other words, I guess they liked the situation the way it was. But we would think that if we saw someone who was so tormented and possessed and not in their right mind and suddenly they were delivered, we would be rejoicing for them, wouldn't we? We'd be, we would be thankful that they have come into uh, something you know, more normal than being someone who roams around in the tombs and the mountains uh, screaming and cutting themselves. But those who fed the swine, they did not feel that way. They were afraid, the Bible tells us. They were afraid, and they asked Jesus to go away. And so in, on one hand, we have this miracle of deliverance, but at the same time, we have those who did not want deliverance. And I think it's very real and applicable to how things are today. The Lord is moving. He's moving among us. We're seeing people's lives changed. And, you know, we're praying for revival, and we want to see that in a much greater way. But there are those who have no interest, no interest in what Jesus is speaking. They have no interest that God has done miracles in their, in their lives and saved family members and brought people out of darkness. And yet they can look upon that, and they are blinded. They are blinded because they love what their darkness more than they love the light. And so they're blinded. They're blinded by it. And these men also were completely blinded, and they missed the Son of God who was right there in their midst. And, you know, that's why I, I wanted to share this morning about having a good and honest heart, because when the Lord is speaking to us and speaking to me specifically in my life, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss when the Lord is in our midst and, and right there ministering and having a word for us and, and, and putting seed in our heart. I, want it, I don't want it to be taken away and to be completely forgotten because that's what the enemy does. But that's what we do to ourselves when we have no interest, when we're blinded, when we love the things of life more than we love the things of God. And so that's exactly what's happening in this situation. Here are these men... You know, some of these men, we can call them businessmen, they lost their, their swine. 2,000 of them went running down the hillside and, you know, into the, into the water and they drowned. And they didn't particularly care for that. I think that's really what was getting under their skin. You know, here they had their livelihood and it was, it was gone. In the midst of Jesus delivering it, all they could see was that their, their way of life, their business had, had just changed and they were not happy with the individual that had caused that to happen. And so they were blinded. They were blinded by their love for money, for their love of, of, uh, of things of life. And we really live in a society today that promotes that. To love wealth and riches, that's the most important thing. And why is it that people cannot connect with the, the ways of God? Well, they're, they're busy pursuing life. They're busy pursuing riches and wealth. And there's nothing wrong with money. We all need money. We need money to pay our bills. We need money to buy the groceries. And so it's not money itself that's, that's wrong. It's the love of money. 
the Lord tells us, the love of money. It is the root of all evil. And we live in a society that promotes that. And in Proverbs chapter 23, verses uh, 4 through 5, it says, Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. In Luke chapter 12, and verse 15, you know, riches do not bring happiness. And it says, he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of things which he possesseth. So Jesus teaches us that it's not about having possessions, it's not about having wealth. Those things do not bring happiness to us. But people continue to try and try and try to bring happiness. And it brings happiness for a little while, but it, there's no long-term happiness in riches and in wealth. You can have all the wealth to do anything that you want, but be completely empty inside and missing what God truly has created us for, and that is for Christ to be in us, to fill that place in us and to live in us and to grow in us. And, you know, in verse 5 of, verse five of Proverbs chapter 23, one commentary writer kind of puts it this way about riches. It's as if a man sees a flock of wild fowl land in his field, wild birds. And he calls them his own because they've landed in his field. But there they are on the ground, and when he attempts to go near them, they fly away, and they land in another man's field. And that's really how riches are, aren't they? You know, they're here one day, and we think that they're, they belong to us, but suddenly they can be gone. And so we don't want to put our hope in riches. And, you know, these people who own these swine, these pigs, they were concerned with their loss, their investment. They, you know, they, they were not happy with Jesus, who was the Savior. So they said to Jesus, go away, go away. And I think in much the same way, in the next move of God, because we are praying that God is going to move again, that when God doesn't move in a way that people are expecting, they'll say, go away, we're not interested in that. And, you know, and that's a, a tremendous danger, isn't it? We don't want to live uh, you know, by believing that things have to happen just the way that we think that they should. And Pastor Wallace, as, as you know, Pastor David Wallace, who's on the board of Zion Fellowship, <clears throat> a former missionary to India, and he was telling a story one time about two women who prayed and prayed and prayed for this tribe that the Lord you know, would come and bring revival to this remote people. And they prayed and prayed and prayed. And then one day, God began to move. God began to move. And many of them came to the Lord. But it was not in the way that these two women was, were expecting. And they completely rejected the move of God. And yet here they were, people who were praying. They were praying for it. But their hearts were not open to how God chose to move. And I think, you know, we want to have a, a very meek and humble spirit and keep our hearts open to how God wants to move, and not how we want to move. You know, yeah, we all have our uh, things that we, we would think that, well, this is how God is going to move, and this is how God's going to do it, but we have to be careful. We want to be available and ready to move when God moves, and be ready to follow him wherever he leads us. And so God is going to move in revival. He's going to move in revival, and he's going to have a tremendous harvest in these last days as he be, continues to work in each one of us. And so the final point this morning, we'll call it go and tell. 
Go and tell. Mark chapter 5, verses 18 and 20. And it says, When he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed to Jesus that he might be with him. And howbeit Jesus said, uh, suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. And he hath compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. <clears throat> and so here is this one who just been delivered. He wanted to go be with the Lord and travel with the Lord. But, but the Lord Jesus said to him, You know, it would be better if you go and home and you tell the great miracle that has happened. He said, go and tell. Go and tell. And that really is a commission to us, isn't it? To go and tell. We all have had a great deliverance in our lives. If we know the Lord, if we've allowed Christ you know, to come into our hearts and accepted him, that free gift that he has given to us of salvation, then we have had a great deliverance in our life. Because we once were in darkness and we didn't know the Lord, and now we are saved from our sins, and that we can walk in, in light. And so we have a great deliverance. And our call that God has given to us, the commission that he has given to us, is to go and tell. Go and tell our family. Go and tell our neighbors. Go and tell our co-workers. When we have an opportunity, the Lord wants us to, to go and tell. And so what a contrast that is to the men who were saying, Jesus, go away. <laughs> but Jesus said to this man who had been delivered, and he realized what a great deliverance he had been given Jesus said, go and tell. Go and tell about it. And the Bible says the men marveled at this testimony. Imagine seeing the man who was once wandering around screaming and no man could contain him or restrain him, and now he's telling them of the goodness of the Lord. That might be a testimony I would want to listen to. You know, thank you, Lord, for that, isn't it? We all have a testimony, and we all should tell our testimony of the goodness of the Lord We've met with the Lord. The Lord has been shown us compassion, and we can tell the Lord's salvation. And I believe, you know, the Lord's word for us today is to go and tell our friends, and that's what we want to do. He's able to change our lives. He's able to change our situation. You know, last year at youth camp, it was uh, Amy and I had the privilege of actually, we weren't working there, but we were able to go the last night and, and be in the last service. And so we were able to observe many of the youth coming to meet with the Lord. And uh, we hadn't been there all week, so uh, we were kind of taking it all in, that these, these uh, children, they were their children, and hearing their testimony and how desperate some of them were, the, de- the desperation that they have and the loneliness that they have and the uh, depression that they have. And many of the youth were delivered that night. And, you know, Amy and I have a real heart for the youth. We've, we've, we've worked with the youth for years. And so it was really touching our hearts that they were being delivered. Right there that night, the Lord Jesus chose to meet with them. And I have no doubt in my mind because those testimonies, some were saying they were considering suicide. And I, I said, how can that be in the midst of the churches? But there it is. These children, you know, they were struggling. They were suffering. But God spared them, and I believe many lives were saved literally that, that night because they met with the Lord. And so I have remembered that, the goodness of the Lord, how you know, he meets us sometimes at our very lowest point and our darkest point in our life, and he brings deliverance. And there's a pastor, Craig Jenkins. He's a pastor in Boston. He, he pastors at Christ Rock Church. 
And many years ago, he found himself addicted to drugs. And he destroyed pretty much every relationship that he had. His family, friends, everybody. And he was considering suicide. But then someone brought him to Teen Challenge where God met with him. And he was restored. And then he was used, now being used in the ministry. And he has written a book, at least one chapter in a book, that's called Changed Lives. It's a, a Teen Challenge book. But he's uh, on the other side of it now, where he before he was in darkness, depression, and completely lost. Now he's leading people to the Lord. He's going and telling. He's telling people of the Lord. And he said his favorite thing that he loves to see is that light on people's faces when they realize, you know, how big God really is. And that they realize that he can save them from their situation. And so, you know, he gives a testimony in, in the book, and he just loves to see that moment of that encounter with God, that people's spirits are penetrated. It's penetrated, and they are changed. Their eyes are open, and they get a glimpse of, you know, who God is. And in First John chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So this morning I am thankful that the Lord Jesus is here in this place. He's here in your lives and my lives. And he wants to deliver us from the evil one. He has delivered us from the evil one. And he wants to deliver many, many, many lives. Right here in Clearwater, the surrounding areas, the state of Florida, the United States, all the way up to New Hampshire, even beyond that, to Maine, where I'm from. <laughs> I think people in Florida maybe think that no one actually lives there, but it's, it is a real state, and uh, people do live there. But, you know, the Lord has completed the work at the cross. There is power in the blood this morning. And at the word of Jesus, a life can be changed. Amen? Amen. I'll leave that with you this morning. Thank you so much for allowing us to share this morning, and I'll turn it back over.